and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. As usual, I'm Illegal86, and I'm joined by my two ever-so-debonair co-hosts, Tactic and Nerd Bombers. Say hello to the folks at home. Hello, everyone. Hello, hello, everybody. Now, things uh, here in the virtual recording studio are a little testy today because, as has often been the case with our recording of this show, we have conversations outside of this space and occasionally they turn into debates and that's what happened today. So I'm going to just lead off right at the top of the episode and I'm going to implore all of our listeners to go to Twitter and vote in the poll that's been retweeted by our main account. The poll was originally posted by me and it relates to the concept of fast food. I don't don't want to get too into it now because again, we'll just burn... We'll burn minutes talking about this even more than we already have, but it's a uh, potentially a great seed for discussion. So go go vote in that. We're not going to talk about that today, though. We're going to talk about a bunch of other cool stuff. Potentially some bad news about Halo Infinite. Not potentially. It is bad news about Halo Infinite. Talking about one of my favorite television shows growing up, SpongeBob SquarePants, a timeless icon in children's television. And we're going to be talking about Tron, uh, that movie from, I think, the 80s that you might have seen, and then it was remade into Tron Legacy with Garrett Hedlund like 10 years ago. There's some news on that front as well. So we can dive right in to maybe the biggest thing on the docket, uh, which is Halo Infinite. And, and I said bad news, and I, I wasn't kidding. The, the headline here is that Halo Infinite has been delayed into 2021. Now, that's the most specificity we've been given by 343 so far. They basically just said, 2021 they didn't say any specific date the silver lining in this gray cloud is at the same time the xbox has been confirmed the xbox series x has been confirmed for november 2020 release so if you're thirsting for that next gen console you will get it but you're not going to get halo with it and i'm going to open the floor to discussion by saying if you're not going to get the new xbox with halo what is the point <laughs> and maybe that's a little biased but I don't know. If you guys were planning on getting an Xbox, I, I know at least one of you might have been on the fence at some point. How does this affect your decision and, and how do you think it affects the decision of the gaming population as a whole? First and foremost, I do want to say from the game's perspective, it's always better for a studio to delay a game than to release it early and have it look like crap. And I think everybody who watched the showcase what was at last week or the week before kind of had a feeling this might be coming just because i mean it wasn't even running on an xbox they they were playing it on a pc and a lot of stuff just didn't look great the graphics didn't look awesome yeah like it didn't look bad but it didn't look awesome and you want your next gen console launch to be awesome and it just wasn't so from the game perspective i think it was probably a good move especially because there were already some critics from the last few halo games and the master chief collection came out and was a giant tire fire that a lot of those wrongs have been fixed but it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths so i think from the game it's a good move but i don't know like i think it's terrible from a console launch perspective because there's nothing else launching i think xbox a lot of the pr accounts and a lot of their executives have come out and tweeted like oh you know scorn and the medium will be launch exclusives but both of those are not gigantic titles like neither of those are having me run out and buy a console today and then the other thing they're touting is that thousands of games will be available to play but all of those games are still available to play in my Xbox One, so why am I buying a new console? It's just, right. it seems like it's not a very strong position to launch a console from. And I know a lot of people that are countering like, oh, well, Sony only really has 
the new Spider-Man, which isn't even like a full game. It's like a kind of an offshoot game that's not a full-fledged experience, but at least it's something. You know what I mean? It's right. really turned into this damned if you do, damned if you don't position for Microsoft because if they hold on to the console release, then Sony has no competitors or anything for their release. So they just saturate the market with a, with new technology and then they're at a loss with a new game. I'm Has the PS5 release been set? Because that confirmed? Because I didn't, I didn't even know. This was also confirmation that November 2020 was going to happen for the Series X. And I don't know if we've gotten that from I Sony. I mean, all, all signs are that it's going to happen. They've but. been saying over and over again, holiday 2020, but they haven't confirmed what exactly that is. But assuming that right. because of Black Friday being in November, I would assume it would have to be sometime in that time window. Right. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to think, you know, I mean, obviously the elephant in the room here, this new about about halo has to do directly with with covid and, and hearing that the console is still coming out in november is it's almost they're almost saying we're putting out november in spite of covid so you know you, you have to think about things like that with sony you know are they bracing to make their own announcement that you know spider-man got pushed back or the console itself got pushed back i mean these companies are all being affected by this but i certainly agree and i didn't i didn't mean to cut you off tactic i'll let you finish but i agree completely that it's a damned if you do damned if you don't uh, situation i mean i don't need to elaborate on that further it's it's pretty clear where i was going with that but yeah it's it puts them in a pickle because they want to compete against the console but they also want to have a vast platform to really sell their console and to to uh, display their technology so it's it's tough so 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 in their announcement i believe it's microsoft that said in their announcement and i'm quoting directly from the ign article here the console maker makes it clear that there are quote more than 50 new games planned for this year across generations and optimized for xbox series x I think if you read between the lines and the words in that statement, it doesn't sound great. And it sounds like them frantically backpedaling to get ahead of something. I mean, they're saying across generations, which means there's going to be new games that aren't for the Series X. So like, again, then, then it feeds into why are you buying this new console if you can get the same game on the Xbox One. And like, I understand from, I guess, a technology perspective, their whole shtick right now is not trying to sell you on massive first party titles yet. They obviously have a bunch of studios and things in the works that are a few years out, but mostly they're leaning into Game Pass and getting you on their subscription model. But overall, I feel like Microsoft is taking kind of a big blow because their other big venture was xCloud and Game Pass. And we just found out this week that Apple isn't really playing nice with the whole xCloud. X, and, xCloud, yeah. yeah. So they're not playing nice with xCloud and they don't want it on their app store because they can't individually review every game, which is another crazy statement in and of itself that I don't totally understand because stuff like Netflix and Spotify exist and they're not going right. through every single title there. But it is what it is. And I mean, Apple is a huge platform and they're missing the boat on all of those people if they can't cut a deal with Apple. So it just seems like bad news for Microsoft. And from a technology perspective, I understand that with phones, people will upgrade just to get a more powerful phone. And in PC gaming, people will upgrade components so that they can play games at a higher fidelity. But from a console market standpoint, a lot of console gamers buy the console specifically so they don't have to think about it. They can just run and play the latest games. And I don't really see, not to generalize gamers as kids now, but because they're not. I mean, adults, we're all adults and we're playing games still. We we play games, yeah. (laughs) But I mean, if you think about parents and grandparents going to buy their kid a console, if there's no new games that come with it, why are they buying it? You know what I mean? Telling the parents and grandparents, well, it looks better. It's got more teraflops like they don't care right or saying this game will come out next year i know that my parents back in the day wouldn't have cared about that kind of thing so so it's 
it's definitely and the other thing about it too is my point of reference for this and trying to put myself in the shoes of a halo fan granted it had nothing to do with the console release but like when the last of us 2 was delayed because of covid i was like i was devastated because that was it was supposed to come out like a few days before my birthday originally and i was very excited about it and in the grand scheme it only got delayed like a month right and that could be the situation here you know it, 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 halo fans listening if you're looking for for hope it, that was a month and, and this could the same way very well be you know oh january 2021 it could be on the early half of 2021 i don't think their statement suggests that when they say 2021 i'm, I'm hearing holiday 2021 i'm hearing it's going to be a while especially considering as we further evaluate the, the, the far reaches of this thing this pandemic how long it may take for things to return to normal you know it's amazing the console is coming out when, when, when you think about it. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised and not to be like doom and gloom or anything like that, but COVID has really had a huge impact on everything from developing teams. Like obviously a lot of people are working from home and things can still move forward and progress, but obviously things are a little bit interrupted and things take a little bit longer now that we're all working it's remotely yeah. and it's, it's just different. So Delays were to be expected, and I'm surprised they haven't faced any like manufacturing delays in terms of the hardware. I'm honestly surprised the console releases didn't get pushed. Like, and I know they kind of came out confirming that the console was still coming out in November to try to, I guess, lead bad news with some good news in a way, well, and keep and keep and keep people excited. I would, I would think. right, but um. I, I, I I don't know. I had this feeling that because. I mean, what? We're in August and holiday 2020 is coming up really soon. And up until you're skeptical this point, is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, we don't have any pricing information on either console. And as of today or until today, we didn't have any information about when the release window for these consoles were going to be short of holiday right. 2020. So I honestly was just kind of assuming that things would be pushed and we'd probably not see these consoles until next year, which in my opinion and not that I don't want a new console because I'm very excited, but there's nothing that compelling where I kind of need to have it now. You know what I mean? Like if I could wait a year and these consoles would come out with a slate of super awesome new games, I would be stoked because I mean, even the PlayStation 5 to in, in the interest of being like fair and unbiased, you look at the PlayStation 5 and it has Spider-Man. What else? I think, is it Godfall? That other game, the looter when, that when I don't really have interest in. Is Horizon next year also? I, I don't know off the top of my head. It wasn't this year. It definitely wasn't ready for launch. Gotcha. Then yeah, in that case, I'm not sure. Ratchet and Clank would be the other big one, but that might have also been... Yeah, I don't think that was slated for this year either. I think the only confirmed release ones were Spider-Man and... Was it Godfall? I honestly don't remember what... The, the game from the borderlands people where you play is like goddish i don't remember the name i should know it i don't it's lost on me too but so, so your skepticism i completely understand and f to a certain extent i share it but i'm also going to try to provide a counterpoint for you putting myself in the shoes of game developers and console companies etc this is perhaps the biggest year I, well i don't know i don't have the numbers to back this up but on paper i feel like this is one of the biggest years for video games ever this is the, the industry is collectively looking at all of us and saying, okay, we have them right where they, we, where we want them. They're inside forever <laughs> and they can't go outside and they need something to entertain them. I mean, I'll tell you right now from my, and maybe I'm just lucky, but like my board or my video game usage is up like a thousand percent 
in the past however many months because i'm not going out it's, it's plain and simple i mean look at what happened with animal crossing that granted that was a confluence of factors but one of those factors was absolutely the pandemic and the fact that everyone was inside it took me you know a month or so to even get a switch you know and, and i i think i don't know i don't i don't want to sit here and say you know that's why they're not delaying it they're frankly trying to put it out so they can meet this demand but it's probably a factor in these discussions i'm sure somewhere in some boardroom there's been a discussion of, well, should we push this back to holiday 2021 when, you know, we can get the same buzz, we can probably get the same revenue and people won't be so unwilling to spend 500, because that's the other thing is it's a huge, it's a huge cost at a time when a lot of people don't have jobs. I don't, I'm not an economist, so I don't know, you know, how all these factors play into each other, but I, I, I put it in a similar vein to the iPhone, the new iPhone, which is supposedly coming out in October, which is the same situation with this console. I have a very hard time believing that. I definitely want to get a, the new iPhone, but I'm treating that with a, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. Anything I hear about it right now, I'm taking it with a grain of salt because tomorrow the Xbox release could be delayed. The iPhone release could be delayed. The PS5 release could be de- delayed. So we're in, we're in an interesting time. And, and, you know, it might it may even soften the blow of the halo news as we move forward and more things are pushed back because it probably will happen there they have the unlucky position of a being a triple a title and b being the people who have to i think announce first that you know this is a release title and it's being pushed back they may not be the last in fact i would guess they won't be the really interesting thing to me is that both of these companies both sony and microsoft they still keep saying that they have more showcases well not necessarily showcases but like announcement shows in the hopper and so maybe they can salvage this somehow maybe they were holding back some titles because i know one of the the major caveats for a lot of what they showed in the last microsoft showcase was that it had to be available on game pass and a lot of them had to have smart delivery and i'm kind of wondering like maybe are there some exclusive that won't be coming to Game Pass that aren't necessarily first party games, but they've been holding it back or whatever just to show that in a different announcement down the line because I think they kind of need something. Yeah, but doesn't it also kind of feel like a psychological thing? Like, hey, hey, please please don't lose hope on us. Uh, Please, please still want an Xbox. (laughs) Right. They don't want to seem desperate at the same time, I think think is is what you're saying. I don't know. This this is all obviously we're living. This is one of many ways in which we're living in an unprecedented time. You know, throw it on the pile. I can't imagine. You know, this certainly this sort of thing didn't happen with the PS4 and the Xbox One launches, as far as I remember. So it just feels like a very very weak console launch. And again, and I know I've said this in several episodes now, but they weren't giving me many reasons to buy the console on day one as it is. And especially with all of their consumer-friendly practices, which from a a consumer standpoint is amazing. Like, I love the fact that I don't necessarily have to buy the new Xbox to play new games for the next couple of years, but I'm not going to buy the hardware, and especially not now. And I know Halo was also available on the Xbox One, so it's not like it was this major thing that I had to go out and buy the Series X to play it, but now now I have, like, no reason to buy it day one. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to buy this hardware which by the way not to harp on this but like it's going to cost 500 or 600 dollars right so you're making a huge investment you want a game that just came out and you want a game that's optimized for that hardware you want to be able to put that game in and say wow this is what i paid for and and to my mind halo is xbox's answer to that question and it's really the main one and perhaps the only one and to not be getting that is is a blow for, for, for sure but We'll see. I mean, like like you said, Nerd Bomber, we're in August now, and and it's only a short couple of months to November, and 
a lot of stuff will happen between now and then. Hopefully good stuff, but it remains to be seen. So Halo pushback, Xbox Series X right on schedule. Rejoice in that, I suppose. Uh, we're going to move on now to, I, I might have even undersold before, just how important SpongeBob is to me, both as a character and as a, and as a television show. This hit me right, We had, I think we had a quiz about Spongebob at one point, or oh, it was about Nickelodeon, Spongebob came up, it, it debuted in like 1998, I was, I would have been six years old, and I, I kind of rode that train all through childhood and adolescence, and got so many laughs out of it, and we're hearing now about a number of spinoffs actually, but I didn't know, but the latest one is perhaps more high profile than the others, uh, it's a Patrick Star spinoff series, now you all know Patrick Star, this isn't the Krusty Krab, this is Patrick. You know, the classic telephone joke. One of my favorite jokes on the show. He's going to get a show called The Patrick Star Show. And apparently it's going to be a late night talk show, which I can't even express to you how interested I am in that and how excited I am for it. 13 episode order of this show uh, is being finalized with Nickelodeon according to, according to Deadline. And it would involve, it would center around Patrick and his family in a similar vein to the Larry Sanders show, which I've never watched. And that's, that's obviously a live action show, but it actually it supposedly would influence the office heavily. So that's kind of a good thing to be associated with. The same voice actor, I can't pronounce his name. I'm not even going to try. We'll be returning to voice the main character, but we'll be joined by, and I'm quoting here, a largely new cast voicing new characters with SpongeBob cast members expected to make occasional appearances. So what I didn't know is that there's already a, a prequel series in the works called Camp Coral, which follows a 10-year-old SpongeBob during his summer at sleepaway camp, which also sounds just incredible. To, to be a child at this point, I mean, I don't know if I could get away with... I could certainly get away with watching SpongeBob reruns. I don't know if I could get away with watching See, here's, a brand new Sponge, SpongeBob show. Here's the I thing. would love I, to. I don't think you can get away with the prequel, but the, the Patrick Star show feels like it's geared more towards the Could be, yeah. kids that were watching it now adults people because i mean what kid really wants to just watch a talk show i, I don't think it'll have that right. and, and maybe it will that slap sticky attention grabbing uh humor that we know and love in spongebob i think it's going to be more just hey this is patrick star this is his family and some of the ironic situations that he puts himself in and we're going to find that much more hilarious than the than the kids possibly watching it i honestly i was kind of hoping that it would be like something where they manage to get guests and like cartoonize them An and actual, just have yeah yeah and just have like Patrick Star be say. the host like wouldn't that be awesome? I would watch the crap out of that. Like uh, one, and I haven't watched much of this, but like I was thinking like uh, between two ferns is an example where like Zach Galifianakis just gets these people. He like he got like President Obama at one point and just like interviews them and it's all for comedy it's all ridiculous and it would be so much work obviously to do that in an animated context and actually well, have patrick star interview real people who's but it would to be say his family members aren't starfish renditions of real people i mean there's so much potential that all of these things that we're saying could be already planned and slotted for the show who knows his his uncle could be bill nye the science star for all we know <laughs> right might be some copyright issues there but yeah so it, it's interesting i mean i i actually it's kind of a weird thing to admit but like and i don't have cables so like i don't watch late night talk shows but like the clips that get the way the way late night talk shows have been revitalized in the past few years maybe the past decade more like has been fascinating to me because i would never watch them but now they have all these things that are kind of designed to go viral right and end up on youtube and you watch guests play games with one another and 
I love it. I have to admit, I love watching like YouTube clips of late night talk shows. Not so much now because talk shows are kind of changing completely with with the pandemic again. But like, I love watching Conan clips. I love love watching Jimmy Fallon clips. If if I care about the person who's on and if I care about what they're doing, they have some fun games and stuff. And I would love for a Patrick Star show that did the same thing. And granted, that would be pretty much impossible. But nonetheless, I still love the concept for what it is. And I definitely I don't know. Agree. Like it's 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 hard because like I think when I look at Nickelodeon now, maybe not so much now, but a few years ago when I was still living at home and I had a little sister who would watch Nickelodeon, I hated what it had become. Like it's it seems to be so driven now around like Dan Schneider shows like iCarly and like all these shows were like there's teenagers, but like they act all, like adults. They're and they're all snap. They all have snappy comments, and they there's no parents. They like they go to school to be actors, and it's a boarding school. But and they all ha- are in love with each other, and it's like, all right. I mean, but what are we're SpongeBob? Like, it's, like I, I don't want to sit here and and be grouchy and be like, wow, man, Nickelodeon has become a shell of itself. But I feel like it might have. Like it, it certainly changed, and I, I I would love to see it get back to the to old form. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it hasn't left. No, no, old no. Form you're absolutely right. All of the the stations we watched as kids. I mean, those of you who remember Teen Titans and its glory days, that show is still running, but it's become garbage. And a lot of these different networks are realizing that, and they're reverting back to the old style, the old comedy, the old animation, because that was really the golden age of of. Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, and all these different stations. Right. Well, and it's it, I think it's moderation too, right? Because like back when I was watching Nickelodeon, we had SpongeBob and we had Hey Arnold and we had Rugrats and all that, but we also had like The Amanda Show and like Drake and Josh and like shows that were in that Dan Schneider vein. And though for what those were, they were pretty good. But like now, I f- sense that the programming on Nickelodeon specifically has become so centered around live action sitcoms for kids kind of, kind of things. And that's not, you know, what about fairly odd parents? Like that show was good too. Like animation in general, I feel like, and again, maybe incorrectly, I feel like it took a back seat and it needs to come back. It's actually, and it's interesting too, because when you look at, you know, our generation and like, as we grew up, family guy became wildly popular and like, adult cartoons have always had their place but i feel like now more than ever you have american dad you have rick and morty you have at one point you had the cleveland show like there were all these adult cartoons that maybe i just wasn't aware of before but it seemed like it became more popular again in the past decade or so i feel like the animation just grew up with us one of the transitions i feel like is probably due to the prevalence of youtube and stuff like tiktok and instagram because that's a lot of what kids watch now we were all watching cable tv but especially as more people are cutting the cable and just slapping their kids in front of an ipad right or wrong they have access to youtube and stuff instead and a lot of that content is just live action stuff so the best way to kind of mimic and attract that audience is to try to make a show that's a little bit more mature in the vein of a lot of the youtube content that they're consuming because i mean you think about it a lot of these kids they watch streamers they watch vloggers you know what i mean and look at how big tiktok became we just talked about that last week and a lot of tiktok is just watching real people doing either crazy wacky dances or diy stuff or just talking to the camera and making funny videos so I feel like they're, a lot of the kids' networks are trying to capture that because I don't think cartoons are in some of these kids' vocabulary in terms of entertainment because that's not right. what they're getting on YouTube and all of the different apps that we have. It's too zany. Like it's, and and I, I realized as you were talking, 
and it's not you know i i did i was doing it too but like we're aging ourselves horribly in this segment <laughs> like like we're talking about like what happened to nickelodeon and then you're like yeah well it's that dang youtube and i was like oh boy like, <laughs> we sound like we're like in our 60s we're not we're 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 hip young and cool people don't I mean, don't worry even i mean i'm pretty much the same way though half of the stuff that i consume like yes i watch a lot of streaming shows but a lot of my day i'm scrolling on my phone and i'm watching stupid youtube videos or looking at twitch streams so that's just right. i think that's the way that content is moving even like scripted television especially like think about netflix you look at netflix and it started netflix originals were all scripted shows and look at how big things like love is blind became it it's just that shows a phenomenon i mean it's just it's changing (laughs) things are changing away from scripted we saw it on network television and now i think we're just seeing it in entertainment as a whole i think the only thing that's really quote-unquote sacred so far is movies because i've yet to see anyone make a reality show movie please nobody take that idea and run with it because i don't want film and cinema to go that way remember when i watched those blinds talked about it on the podcast and then like you grumbled about it and then you like watched the whole thing in a day <laughs> for the record <laughs> you, i this? still grumbled. i had an adult snow day and then i just got sucked in it was so bad I, just, I remember like the day after we recorded that episode you were like texting me about carlton and i was like we got her folks like she's <laughs> she's fully reeled into this show i feel like i think i finished the show before you even did because you were like i still yeah, like carlton and i was like just wait just wait he's you, a douche you absolutely laughed me yeah spoiler alert carlton's a douche if you're watching that show we should get we should get back on topic with with, with patrick star the, the star of the show truly i want to i want to go around the table before we go to our break what's your favorite either your favorite spongebob episode or your favorite patrick star moment uh because there's so there's so many i think my favorite spongebob episode of all time i might have mentioned this on the show before too so this, this could be like uh online warriors trivia at this point the episode of spongebob where they have to paint mr Krabs house and they get a spot of paint on his first dollar is like the greatest episode of television i think i've ever seen no i just i laugh the entire time I, it's well it's okay to disagree because i'm sure whatever you're about to say is better or as good or whatever you know it's a great show but what what you sound like you have a, an idea absolutely best episode by far is when they delivered the first crusty crab pizza <laughs> with the rock yeah that, no that, that but that's the thing there's so many like what about the one where they sell chocolate like there's so many and they're so like they're just like these little plots that like they're 15 minutes you can describe them in one sentence and you can do one word God. with that one i love the <laughs> arena episode where he plays the mock super bowl that is so oh yeah yeah sweet, the bubble bowl. yeah sweet sweet victory and then we got we got teased we talked about that on the podcast too when they were teasing that spongebob was going to be at the super bowl halftime show and then they like barely had him there at all and i was really mad about it was i was year. so sad i was i really thought that they were going to bring spongebob out in full form so sad because he's real Ultra icon he's a real yeah hey, you can, he's a real you can yeah. put someone in a spongebob suit and bring him on stage that's what i wanted that's what i was expecting and that's not what i got everyone like holographs anyway right exactly we want to hear from you guys if you're spongebob fans or even if you're not first of all spongebob i believe is on amazon prime do yourself a favor and some of the some of the comedic material in there is truly gold and if you have watched we want to hear from you on twitter what is your favorite spongebob episode or like i said what's your favorite patrick star moment this is patrick star's moment here he's getting his own show you know i mentioned no this isn't the crusty crab this is patrick but What's your favorite? Oh, pa- um, favorite Patrick Star is the string in the box episode. String in the box is good. I like um where 
SpongeBob goes to visit Sandy and Patrick t- tells him how to be fancy and it's just to put your pinky up when you're drinking <laughs> <laughs> when you're drinking tea or whatever. Oh man. You know, I'm show. basic. I just like no, this is Patrick. That was probably a terrible that impression, but that's just on. my favorite. That was pretty. I thought that was pretty good. Or when they're attacked by the sandworm and Patrick's like, why don't we just take the whole town and move it somewhere else? But they do it. <laughs> oh, man. That's such a good show, guys. So, yeah, on Twitter, what's your favorite SpongeBob moment? We have at Online Warriors 1, our main account. I'm at OW League 86. We have at OW Nerd Bomber, at OW Tactic. Head on over there. Talk to us. We'd love to talk to you. Vote in that poll I mentioned earlier, too. Very important. Uh, we're looking for a lot of data there. In general, just come chat with us. For right now, we're gonna we're gonna move on from SpongeBob as hard as it is, and move to our next topic, which is Tron. But we're gonna first take a short break. Before we do that, uh, we would also love to shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Ben Checkness. If you've been listening to the show at all, you've heard Ben's name many times by now. And for good reason, Ben supports us at the night level on Patreon. He is one of our producers. And as a result, he gets a shout out in every episode. He gets input into our weekly game segment. He gets the occasional guest spot, which is coming up once again. Ben, be on the lookout for that. Uh, he also gets, of course, access to the monthly secret segment and the monthly vlog. So be a knight like Ben. Join join the royal cause, so to speak. We'll like we'll put a sword over your shoulder and do that whole thing. It's really cool. It's a whole ceremony. If you don't want to be a knight because you're afraid we'll use the sword and cut your arm or something, uh, you can be a squire. Uh, I don't really know what a squire is relative to a knight, but it's it's not as good. But it's still pretty <laughs> good. Uh, it gets you access to the monthly secret segment of vlog, uh, or you could be the lowly page, which, as far as I know, is is lowly. That's like I don't want to say it's peon level, but it's you know it's down there. But you still get access to the monthly secret segment. And uh, we have another secret segment coming out very soon. So if you're interested in supporting us at any of those levels at all, we would super appreciate it. We love, we love doing this. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast for more of the details. And for now, we will take a short break. We'll be back in just a minute to talk to you about Tron. Hey, everybody. This is Sedge. And this is King Kegel, a.k.a. Lightsaber Ninja. And we're two of the three hosts of Gaming Casual. A gaming podcast where three idiots discuss games in the gaming industry casually. Sometimes we get along, sometimes we disagree, and sometimes we go on 45-minute rants about consoles that haven't released yet. Hey, 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 I'm innocent here. Bullshit. Check us out on Podbean, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes release every Thursday. And not for nothing, but every single person that listens to our podcast happens to be a genius and attractive. Okay, we're back to talk about Tron and we'll talk about Tron, specifically Tron 3, which I have to be honest, I had to preface this entire discussion. I have not seen the original Tron. Uh, I know it's like a, it's like a nerd phenomenon, right? Guy gets trapped in a video game, essentially. Uh, I have seen Tron Legacy which came out had to be 2007 or so somewhere in that time where a guy gets trapped in a video game. I kind of liked Tron Legacy. I don't remember being like insanely into it, but Tron 3 has apparently been in the works for many years, uh, probably since Tron Legacy came out. And this is all, this is all Disney, by the way, this is a Disney, Disney property. I believe it was too with, with Tron Legacy. We, they have a new director for Tron 3. It, it's, it's seeming like it might exit what might've been development hell garth davis the director of lion which i've never seen but i've heard a lot of good things about has been tapped to helm tron 3 and the star of this movie is perhaps the most tron person i can think of uh jared leto and mm-hmm. i have a lot of opinions on jared leto what did you just make that was that a sensual noise no that was like a, a not happy 
Came, it came across as like a. Sorry, I, mm. no, I no. <laughs> maybe a little, maybe a little uncomfortable. Honestly, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> definitely the opposite. I have nothing You're against right. Jared Leto. I just don't. Every movie that I've seen him in, I just walk away and I'm like, that was bizarre. Well, and I, I think a lot of a lot of our female listeners would probably make a noise like what I think you made mm. about Jared Leto because, like, they, you know, he's got those those. Those baby blue eyes and that just general good lookingness about him. Remember, uh, something about him creeps segment. me out. I'm sorry. Well, we, we did a secret segment. It might have been our first secret segment like ever for the podcast. It was a long time ago. We talked about, uh, we, we rated fashion looks at the Met Gala, right? Which, like, talk about something that's not in our wheelhouse at all. <laughs> but that was the Met Gala where he, he was he was carrying a handbag that was just his head. Oh, Do you remember yeah. this? Yeah. Oh, that was weird. He's such a weird dude. Like, uh, we're all into some, like, guy. very geeky, nerdy stuff. But, like, I would never, I don't think, carry my head around to a major award like that. I just, I don't yeah. know. Carrying his own head. I mean, it's not really an award, right? It's supposed to be, like, experimental fashion. But, like, that might have been too experimental, Jared. What, uh, what exactly, Leto, what is the Met Gala? Because I don't know. Just, I don't know. You get asked to come if you're, like, hot. And then designers design clothes for you that are usually very creepy. I don't know if that's true. I, I was never asked to go. Well, hot and listen, don't get me wrong. You're a pretty high profile guy, but I, I, I don't know if you're high profile enough to get. It's a pretty exclusive event. In any case, Jared Leto, uh, also the front man of 30 Seconds to Mars, also in Dallas Buyers Club. That's like my main point of reference for Jared Leto is he was in Dallas Buyers Club. He was Oscar nominated for that. He was pretty good. He played, I think, a transgender prostitute. I watched the movie a while ago. It's a very good movie. But so I'm going to... A lot of people... Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to jump in and... Uh put my perspective on tron just to veer back on yeah, course get us get us back to, i'm sorry i keep talking about jared leto so i think this movie could be successful i think he could be a really good star of the show if they take the movie from the perspective of a corrupted person of power so like a bad guy because he i mean the joker didn't do well in suicide squad but he does have this quirky diabolical personality that he can really take advantage of in in these roles that i think would put a new quote-unquote heroic perspective on tron because that that's the and when i say heroic in quotes i really mean villainous perspective because anti-heroic yeah because they've always taken the the righteous heroes perspective and that's been beat to death really in the first one and the second one to get this new perspective would be something fresh something new and he'd be the guy to do something strange and out there in my opinion. I also think Jared Leto, like, if you ask me, does he look like a hero or a villain? He looks like a villain. Absolutely. I just, I don't know. He's so, too slender. I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know if he's too slender. I don't know if that's what I would have said. But I don't know he, if slender is, like, one of the things on the list yeah. of what classifies you as a villain. Oh, it, no, it is. <laughs> what? We shouldn't yeah. be demonizing slenderness on the podcast. <laughs> you, there's a certain body type with the, the hero cast, and the villain is the slender profile. I disagree wholeheartedly, but what, okay. What about, I feel like I could name a billion examples, but I don't have that kind of time. Spider-Man uh, is slender. Right. But he's and also kind of like pudgy. Like he, he, he rocks the V profile. The V profile. Please elaborate. I need to know what this means. You go lats down to the waist. Yeah. His upper torso looks is shaped like a V, I think is what he's... Okay. It's the general implication. What Whereas about villains, lats do not exist. In something like The Incredibles, I want to call him Mr. Freeze, but that's not his name. Help me here. 
Fro- Frozone. Frozone. Yes, thank you. Frozone is slender. He's not a bad guy. He's super slender. Right, He's like whatever. It's it's a really bad perception of villains that I have. But like, and also Andrew Garfield's Spider Man. He got no fee. That's a that's a stick boy. Right that's there. a stick. Boy. And I say that <laughs> I say that as a stick boy myself. But that's a stick boy. In general, he just has some, something about his body type to me, and it's not just his face. Just screams villain. It's the way he carries himself. In my opinion, he always has that like kind of just creepy aura about him. Even, and I think that's why his Joker didn't hit. It's not like regular creepy. I can't even really put my finger on it. It's just like to me. To me, it's a I'm there. better than you vibe. That's like that. When I look at Jared Leto, I see I see a person who is just looking at me, saying, "I know, I I'm think better than wrong. you in it's, in every way." It's 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 a menacing vibe. Is is what you're looking for? Because yeah, have any Jared Leto fans in our audience? They have clicked away by now, and it's, it's been. <laughs> a but few menacing isn't bad, right? It, it's it's got this deviousness to it. It's got this little touch of clever and witty to it. Menacing isn't necessarily bad, but it's synonymous with the villain. So uh, I'll, I'll grant some color to this word. And this I'm quoting from an IGN article now. Word of a Leto-driven Tron movie first surfaced in 2017, so three years ago, indicating that the movie would be a franchise reboot rather than a sequel to Legacy. So no Garrett Hedlund, no Olivia Wilde, uh, just straight up new characters. Leto is reportedly playing a new character named Ares. That's all it really says. It doesn't say like whether he's a good guy or bad guy kind of thing. See, the thing um, that interests me here with what you just read is this is going to be a Disney franchise. And obviously that means more than one movie probably with this yeah, reboot. They got six of these lined up. I just can't see Jared Leto sticking around this project that long. He's a he's flighty. If yeah. you just look at him, you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're really like, we're judging Jared Leto so harshly. And I don't really know. That wasn't our intention with this with this piece of news. The I worst part is, I actually really like him as a singer. Like, 30 Seconds to Mars, I actually really like. But something about him as an actor, and I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club, and I know that's one of the roles that he's really lauded for. So that could be why I'm, like, biased, because I feel like I've only seen him in movies where I'm like, oh, what, what did you do to this movie, Jared Leto? But I don't know. I feel bad because we're ragging on him, but it's just... It, well, uh, I don't know. He's not I, leading man material, in my opinion, to lead a franchise like Tron. See, I'll, I'll redeem him a little bit. And, and you might remember, we talked about this on the podcast. I think Morbius is the perfect role for him. I think they nailed it with that. I think they're like, okay, what does Jared Leto look like? Creepy kind of evil vampire doctor man. And I was like, yeah, like it's, it's so believable. You remember this? We talked about this. Yeah. We, we well, yeah this spot on. on the air. I absolutely yeah. agree with you there. 2021 film. That's coming out. Jared Leto. Jared Leto fans rejoice. But that's what my point is. He's he's the redeemable anti-hero or, or potentially the villain yeah. who who yeah. swaps sides. For he he just his I'm gonna stick with Slender. His slenderness does not work <laughs> with the, he's the, not the, the, the typical hero hero role. I mean Look, we should we we should stay on topic and talk about Tron. So 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 I think Tron is granted the first one is a classic and I I have it already I've already admitted I haven't seen it, but the premise of Tron is so powerful to me. Stuck in a video game. It's the best premises are ones that can be summarized in less than a sentence and like kind of like SpongeBob episodes actually to bring it full circle. But this is I mean there's so much you can do, right? And and there's so much visually and aesthetically like Tron Legacy in as much as the plot didn't wow me, visually it was so cool. And the soundtrack was, it was Daft Punk did the soundtrack. Like it was so, the aesthetic was so strong. And if they can grab hold of that again, either in the same way or in a different, even better way, you know. I mean, really even cool. even beyond just like the bikes, right? They 
they pulled out all the stops. They had the right. the disc rings, the bikes. They had they they even had like four wheeler type bikes. They, mm-hmm. There's so much that can be expanded on and slap some neon on that bad boy that it's just the suits. Visu- it, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's just it's a recipe to be absolutely visually stunning. Right, and yeah, the, the bikes are what people remember, and like, and the bikes are super cool. But like, yeah, the suits, the rings. Like, I remember that first when he gets thrown in the ring in Tron Legacy, and he's doing that. He's fighting with that with those discs. I was like, damn, this is... And Daft Punk is, like, blasting you the whole time. I was like, this is legit. So it should be easy. Like you said, they're probably planning, like, six of these things. It should be an easy easy target to hit. Um, it's apparently reported in Deadline Reports, this would be Garth Davis's first tentpole movie. He's not known for big-budget projects, but apparently he aggressively pursued the job winning over executives. I mean, if, you, if you're passionate about this, if you've seen... There's only two movies for this, right? So it's not like you have to... It's not like Marvel, right? Where if you want to be a part of this, you have to do so much research and like know the characters inside out, read the comic books, watch other movies and like TV shows from back. You know, it's it's just, there's two movies. If you know that, you know the universe at the extent that it exists now. And, but there's so much potential. You know, it's one of those things, in as much as I often harp on this show about like, there need to be more original movies. This is like as close to original as you can get while still rebooting something or, you know, there's been two movies. So we'll be on the lookout for that. I don't know. There's no release date given here. Yeah, don't see any release date. But if you've seen Tron Legacy, hit us up on Twitter. Tell us, I don't know. Talk to, talk to us about Jeff Bridges. I like Jeff Bridges. Uh, we should move on now to What Are You Up To Wednesday? Find out what we've been up to. Uh, I'm going to start because I have a lot to, I have a bone to pick, so to speak. I want to talk about Borderlands because I'm very, I, I want like opinions. I don't really know what I want. I just want to talk about it because I'm still, I'm in the midst of this experience I'm playing alone, which is probably a critical factor. I am enjoying it. I want to. I want to preface this. I want to say right away. I'm. I'm enjoying the game. It's a looter shooter. I like looter shooters. There are two problems with it. Two. Two notable problems. One, not a fan of the boss fights, and this is something I actually messaged uh, Tactic and Nerd Bomber at one point over the weekend, just venting basically about like <laughs> I was doing this one boss. Fight. I was fighting Mad Mel if you played this game, the car one, and I was getting so frustrated. Um, I would die. They would find me thousands of dollars and I would fight. I I think I've died like four or five times fighting that boss. And in general, the boss fights in that game, I have to admit, have kicked my butt. Maybe because I'm a single person, but it's not even the kicking of my butt that bothers me. They're not fun. They're bullet sponges. There's not really much to them. There's not, it's not like a boss. It's not like a Luigi's Mansion boss fight where it's like, all right, there's something you have to figure out. It's just shoot him as hard as he can. And it's going to take a while and eventually you might kill him. Like there's, it's just, I don't know. Uh, so that's problem one, problem two, and probably the bigger problem. I am a completionist. If ever there was one and the amount of things to complete in Borderlands is it's going to take me forever to beat that game. And I don't know. I'm not sure at this point if I have the stamina considering point one. So I don't know. I mean, you guys, did you, you guys played this game? Did you completion it? Did you perfection it? So we've played all of the games together including Borderlands 3. I think 3 was the only one that we didn't finish. And we we played it completionist style where we pretty much hunted down every side, side quest and did everything. That's um, part of the reason we didn't finish 3, though, was because of the Halloween event. You basically could never finish it, so you just oh, got yeah. burnt out. The Halloween event for Borderlands 3 sucked. Um, but that, that that's kind of digressing. Um, but yeah, first of all, I definitely agree. I think the 
boss fights without multiple players become very difficult and needlessly drawn Which, out because they're basically they're, yeah. they're bullet sponges and then every time you die basically their health resets so then you're starting at square one whereas when you have a party that you're playing with what, every time you die you can get revived or you when you come back. back at least you can run back and it's still in progress so it's not this big deal that you died the completionist and, and, and it, aspect game... i think you either have to embrace it and now that you have the entire handsome collection i think you're going to have to either embrace it and realize these games are going right. to take you forever or at some point just cut yourself off and be like i can't do it I, i'm my current plan i am embracing it i'm 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 doing every side quest, but I think when I finish the first one, I'm going to take a break. Like that's, that's cause I have burnout paradise remastered on, on the back burner. Also I have Everspace that I haven't played much of. So like I've, I'm guy of game stacking up, but yeah, I, 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 I know too. I'm sure everyone listening is like, well, yeah, you're playing it by yourself. You idiot. Like, of course it's not going to be great. Borderlands is, is inherently designed to be a co-op experience, but look, we're not all afforded that luxury. I have a, I have a, a life partner who doesn't care for shooters and i and I, I still like her. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, 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 I guess it's too much to say I'm struggling through that cause I'm not, but it's, it's, I'm grappling with a little bit with like, am I going to finish this, you know, boss fight? It's really when I hit a boss fight, I'm like, man, is this even worth it? Cause otherwise without the, outside the bosses, it's a great game. I'm, I'm really into it. Um, now, the progression system the Switch, seems tight, right? Yeah. So yeah. does the Switch version have the option to matchmake online? I have no idea. Frankly, it's not something that's not something I would do anyways. I don't, I don't stranger danger. Well, right. But I mean, you don't have to talk to them and then you can get through your boss fight and then kick them out of your game and go on your merry way. Yeah, but that seems mean. Eh. <laughs> you do what you gotta do. It's a dog eat dog world out there. Right. It's, it's, it's Pandora, you know, everyone's out for themselves. So yeah, I'm, I'm grappling with that a little bit. The other thing I wanted to mention, and I'm trying to remember if I mentioned this last week, cause I've been watching it for more than a week now dark on netflix i talked about this last week you did dark. yeah how's it going i'm in season two now and oh my god i mean that that show listen do not try it unless you're like you're like man i want to i want to really think about the show i'm watching <laughs> like it's very like it's a full brain it's a full brain experience uh it is like it's it's time travel that's not really that's, that's not really a spoiler if you find that out in like episode one um it's not only time travel but it's like time loops and characters traverse the loops in different ways. And it's just like the end of season one, I had to like I, the, the credits rolled and I was like, all right, I have to get on Google and like look up like a, like a tutorial article about like, what did I just watch? Which I, that's not the kind of person I typically am, but it's still, it's very good. I want to be clear. It's very good. But it's, if you want, if you decide to watch it, like get ready for, for that kind of experience. Um, other than that, that's it for me. Uh, tactic, you might like this. I replaced the doorknob this week good for you it's like a proud very tactic you. thing yeah i was proud of myself too um i could replace a doorknob myself this weekend it, uh well it wasn't that hard so don't worry too much Not it was actually worried. weird i was i was outside on my porch and i was reading an agatha christie book finished it by the way it was all right um went to go back inside the door was unlocked i don't know if you've experienced this the latch basically froze so like i was turning the handle and the handle was turning a reasonable amount and the door was not locked but the latch inside the handle wasn't responding to the handle movements. So I had to go around to the front door of my house, go in, figure out, okay, no, the door is not locked. And it just won't open. sheared then inside. Something I, I was looking at it. Honestly, it took us forever to get the thing off because we couldn't open the door and we had to take the doorknob off and then we had to get the latch out like without taking the, through. 
Yeah, we, we had to take the latch, get the latch to unlatch from the door, which we had already determined was not possible, but the door was closed, so we couldn't get the latch out. So we had to like jimmy it with a screwdriver. It's actually a whole process. Home improvement, man. That, that is the one thing, though. You know how we actually, we finally figured out how to do it? If you have any home improvement project that you want to do, if you go on YouTube and like Google like or and search like doorknob latch frozen to door, like the first result is like, yeah, just do this. It's like we're living in an amazing age of, of information. And I'm sure you already knew that, but YouTube think is about the homeowner's best friend. It, you know, it really is. So anyways, I'll, I'll, I'll give Nerd Bomber the floor now for her update, but that's, that's been my week. All right. So we did finish Stranger Things. I don't want to get into that too much because we talked about it pretty much at length last week and we are going to do a secret segment this month going in depth Mm -hmm. on that. So the two other things that I've been doing, one, I've been playing a game called Cat Quest. So (laughs) you probably think it (laughs) sounds silly. You know, it really is. It's the name is silly. (laughs) I don't know if the game is. Well, okay. So there was a bundle. There's two of these games, actually, Cat Quest 1 and Cat Quest 2. And I was desperately waiting because if you buy each game individually, digitally, it was like 20 bucks for each one. But there was a bundle for the Switch and you got both of them on one cart for 20 bucks. So I pre-ordered it. It came in the mail and I started playing it. And essentially, you are a cat it's it's kind of like a, a top-down. <laughs> it's like a sprite-based game. It's pretty much... 2d-ish and it's more or less a button masher but you're basically this cat and you discover that you have powers to fight dragons because the the land that you live in is kind of like feudal times and there's a bad guy who comes and unleashes dragons on the world so you find out that you are a dragon blood which means you have all of these fancy magical powers you can like spray fire at people and lightning and freeze people and all that fun stuff cat I want to be. I want to clarify. You're a cat with dragon's blood. Absolutely, it's amazing. So you're okay. basically this Continue. this cat knight, and you're dropped onto the map, and basically the entire game. You're a knight. <laughs> pronouncing the K. The entire game, you're basically traversing this map. It's basically you're walking around an atlas, and there's little villages that you go to and you get certain quests and you're fighting all of these different monsters and going into caves and you basically have to take down dragons and eventually find the bad guy and take him down. So I would say... You said said multiple quests. Which one would you say is the cat quest or are they all cat quests? They're all cat quests. (laughs) But I mean, the entire game, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. It's a lot of fun. Like it's a very simple game. Don't get me wrong. Like there's... Basically, the entire combat system is a little bit of button mashing and some dodging because you can basically see when your enemies are going to come at you and you can just dodge. And it's very simple, very fun, and so many cat puns. Like, they're literally, mountains are called mountains. And in every single piece of dialogue, there is some form of cat pun. And it's phenomenal it's like i said it's a very simple game it kind of reminds me of almost like an old school zelda adventure but very like watered down a little bit much more simplistic but if you like cats and you like cat puns cat quest i'm very excited for the second one when i finish the first because it's co-op and then they introduce dogs and so i can play with tactic and he can be the dog and i can be the cat and we can go romp and have furry adventures, and I'm so pumped about it. We're not going to have furry adventures. Get your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't even think about Good that. Um, um, wow. Well, that was a lot to process. Uh, sounds great. I, it, would you recommend it for non-cat people? 
I mean, mm. <laughs> if you <laughs> yeah, okay. if you hate cats, no. If you're just like a regular person who doesn't mind cats, it's super cute. So yes, I would like, I have a dog. I'm not like a, a cat person. Like I grew up with cats, but I have a dog now. I'm not like screaming from the rooftops about cats, but I, I find it cute and it's adorable and fun. So I have a, I have a cat and a dog, so I'm equal, equal opportunity, but it sounds like I, Cat I Quest 2 would be perfect for your household. I don't know if I like cats enough to design an entire game. Like I said, it feels complete with puns around cats. (laughs) It feels like a very watered down Zelda with cats as the main characters. It's great. I love it. Um, There you have it. the The second thing that I wanted to talk about is I'm pretty much almost done with the Sleeping Giant trilogy of books, and it, it feels a lot like Iron Giant meets Oh man, I'm trying to think of something. Iron Giant means if you if you read World War Z, I'm not talking about the movie or the game, but the way that the book is formatted, it's very like it's all of the chapters are kind of like either reports out of a newspaper or interview transcripts between people. So it's written in that style. But basically, they find giant robot components scattered throughout Earth and the scientist figures out how to assemble this giant robot and how to locate them around the world. And it turns out to be like a a big alien war robot. And so it's a really interesting series. It grapples with the idea of how people would respond to aliens, what the appropriate course of action would be to respond to aliens. It dives into genetics. There's a lot of science behind it. It It sounds like a Jurassic Park kind of stigma, right? They were so concerned whether or not they could do it that... They didn't ask themselves whether or not they should do it. Now we've got an alien robot on its hands. Right. And I mean, there's there's a lot that's actually pretty in-depth. And I don't know if it was researched well. I'm assuming so because it got decent reviews and was rated pretty highly when I selected the book out of the library. Um, But it, it, it goes into linguistics, genetics just a lot of really interesting things so it's a good read it like they even interact with aliens at a certain point so if you can get past the style of how it was written like at first it was kind of jarring that i was basically writing a no frills dialogue exchange for most of the chapters which was a little weird because that's not what i'm used to but it was a very interesting series so definitely recommend there's a word for that kind of a novel, like you said, the World War Z style. There's a, I feel like there's an overarching word for it, and you might have been reaching for that earlier, and I can't think of it either. But I actually kind of like that style. Yeah, I mean, so. I would definitely, if you have a Kindle or something, most libraries have it, because I reach a lot, and I have like three different digital library cards from different regions where I'm eligible to have them. And so it's available on every li- library that I checked. And so if you can download that on your Kindle, three, I mean, they're pretty quick reads. I think each book... The Kindle tells you how long it takes to read. Each book ranged somewhere between three to five hours to get through. So very interesting concept. If you liked Iron Giants and you like the writing style of World War Z, whatever that may be called, definitely check it out. He is library crazy, y'all. Hey, it's a good uh, deal. I love I love hey, my hey, local libraries, man. No argument here. Uh, tactic, round us out. So I'm, my biggest thing that I've been up to is I've been reading books and making pickles. So about two weeks ago, I had a bunch of female flower plants on my in my garden. Oh, this gets weird, folks. And I had only it's one. Already male, a little weird. I only had one male flower, and it's really difficult to guarantee that that one male flower pollinates all the female ones based on the insects. So basically, I took that 
male flower and smush and smash them together like <laughs> like you do with your uh, your toys as a kid. It was super weird to um, watch. Is this real? This really happened? Oh yeah, yeah this really happened. It now, was so now crazy. Now I have more. Did you make kissy noises? No, like, I didn't. It's, it's called self-pollination. It's a thing. No, he definitely, he was like he narrating. I, I was not. He was narrating the entire experience while he was doing it. It was very absurd to watch. You know what? That could have that could have been a vlog. Sometimes you just got to set the mood. Anyway, um, now I have more cucumbers that I know what to do with. So I feel like I'm constantly pickling and it's just insane. He has perfected the pickle recipe. The first one was not my favorite. And the new pickle recipe, which props to my mom, because she was the one who gave it to us. 10 out of 10, A plus pickles. I was actually like craving pickles today because I was like, mm, I could like go. Like telling her, don't touch them. They're not ready yet. Yeah, because they take apparently four days to four to cure days or to whatever. Buy. Shout out to Mrs. Nerdbomber. That's your mom. Um, uh, I call so her Mrs. Nerdbomber. While I'm not pickling, what I've been reading is a book called The Oracle Year by Charles Soule. And... Usually, so this year I've been venturing into non-fantasy type books. And when I say fantasy, I mean like space, aliens, things like that. I've been venturing more into... The word word for that typically (laughs) is. Yeah. Well, because there are still fiction. I'm venturing more into kind of perspectives and not so much fantasy, but this one is kind of fantasy. Classical literature and contemporary novels sprinkled in with some thrillers and stuff like that. So this one's kind of fantasy. It's The premise of the book is this one gentleman is gifted with random predictions in the future that are accurate. And so he throws the world a couple bones of, hey, this is going to happen on this time. And you're watching the world unfold based on the ramifications of his actions and different political views, different religious views and what the government looks like. And it's, and it's kind of an interesting perspective because it goes into how it affects these different pockets throughout the world. And it's a really, really good book. So 10 out of 10. It's kind of like so um, the dead zone was it's similar to the Stephen King book. It's similar, but it's in that it starts very small scale, but by the end he's like dabbling a little bit in like, presidential election like he basically knows that a president if he gets elected is going to set off a nuke so he has to like try and stop the president that guy from being elected which it sounds like is kind of similar like it kind of arbitrarily intermittent future prediction it's an interesting fictional element i would say i will say i do have a question to ask and maybe this is putting you on the spot on air tactic but this year so tactic kind of gave me the task of finding him Uh new books to read that are kind of outside of his comfort zone. So I've been kind of reaching back into my past of what books that I've read. I've picked some off of like reading lists from college and high school because I felt like they were just books that you should read. And also just pick some books like the Oracle year was one that that I read, I think last summer that I really enjoyed and got through pretty quickly. How did that? (laughs) I mean, I, I read it in like six minutes. No, I read it at a, (laughs) Very stupidly fast paced. Like this year, I've already read 30 plus books. I don't even know at this point. How would you say that I've done? And what's been your favorite book out of everything I've selected for you so far? So I have the memory of a goldfish. So, um, no. It's all been great. So, of the ones you've selected for me so far, my favorite one is Watership Down because bunnies and on, in, the, <laughs> in the same vein of because kitties. Um, I was very much into it because it, you never think of a perspective of a rabbit, right? And it and it really personifies and 
brings life to their different perspectives. And I thought it was a super, super interesting book from that perspective. So was, I definitely don't think of the perspective of rabbits right? myself. But it's not my all-time favorite. It's just my favorite of this year. We should do all-time favorite books as like a secret segment. But uh, That would be a now, fun one. It would be. Uh, we're not going to talk about books now. We're going to round out the episode with the quiz. And I'm the quiz master this time. And it's not about books. It's about television, specifically home box office. HBO, HBO, whatever you want to call it. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven questions here. So I guess six and a tiebreaker is what is the way we'll do this. Uh, all about home box office. I had now, no idea that's what it office? stands for. Are you guys home? Really? Bo- that's not one of the questions. Are you guys home box office subscribers? We actually are. Yeah. It came with our cable package. I think now we're probably paying like $5 a month to keep it, but it came as like a free yeah. perk. And I don't want to get rid of it now because we have HBO Max because of it through the cable provider and you can't right. be $5 a month, I guess. So there we go. Right. Yeah. Uh, I am an HBO subscriber. And by that, I mean, my dad is an HBO subscriber. Shout out to my dad. Shout out to Mr. Illegal. Um, but yeah, I'm going to ask some questions about, about HBO. Uh, most of them Price is Right style. There's one that is not Price is Right style and, and it's the one I'm most excited for. But let's start it with the Price is Right style. And it's a, it's a classic as far as online Warriors quizzes goes. In what year was HBO formed? Now, busting again is, is if you go too late. So if you go closer to the current day than what it actually was, that's, that's busting. Uh, and we'll start, with, uh, we'll start with Nerd Bomber Ladies first. All right. I'm going to say 1980. I feel like it might be a little bit later, but I'm afraid to bust. So Okay, so I just want to say I was going to guess this number independent of what you said. 1984. Okay. Um, well, you both busted. Really? Wow. Uh, 1972. Specifically, November... Oh, gosh. I have to click away. Click over to another tab. Uh, 19... November 8th, 1972. The first uh, program that was uh, telecast on HBO was actually a National Hockey League game between the New York Rangers and the Vancouver Canucks. Okay, this is going to sound super naive of me, but... When was, was TV invented? When I know I know TV was around, but was cable a thing? I thought people were still using antennas for the most part back then. Um, well, I don't have an answer for you, but based on the fact that HBO existed, I would certainly think that cable existed. Um, let's 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 continue on. Let's get you guys some points. Uh, how many households were originally signed up for the debut of HBO? Again, this was in 1972. This was a uh, potentially this is a hint i'll give you it was a small scale rollout uh its initial base of subscribers when they first clicked on november 8th 1972 how many subscribers did they have 276 okay i'm gonna say 50 okay uh tactic gets the point 365 i don't know if that was one for every day of the year for what this what the system was uh this was in wilkesbury pennsylvania uh where it was rolled out uh for reasons that actually related to the 76ers tv blackouts uh but that's that's outside the scope of the quiz. Tactic gets a point. As of 2018, because that's the data that exists on Wikipedia, how many worldwide subscribers does HBO now have? And Nerd Bomber, this is brother. You. Oh, boy. I literally have no idea. I'm going to do a shot in the dark and say 20 million households subscribe to HBO. I feel like it's probably more, especially after Game of Thrones, but... 546 million. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, Nerd Bomber gets it, even though she wasn't even close. Tactic busted by a mile. Uh, 140 million uh, is the answer. And I want to say, I'm trying to find it. I have two web pages open for this. Uh, currently, 
I believe there are 30 something million in the US. So world and worldwide there's 140 million. Uh yeah, I can't I can't find the data, but I on Wikipedia at least. 140 million worldwide. Um let's do this one next. Uh how long does the average HBO Now subscriber keep their subscription? It's tied by the way. So, lot on the line and uh Nerbomber's first this time, I believe. Okay. Um Wait, where are you? No, sorry. Tactic is first. Sorry, I got the order. Got to get more time to think. <laughs> 16 months, 17 days. Wow, that is very specific. 36 hours. I'm going to say three months at a time. However, I'm trying to think of how long like Game of Thrones seasons were. Okay, so are you sticking with three months or yeah. are you stinking? Okay, uh, Tactic actually was very close. 18 months, okay. um, which I'm inclined to agree with you. I didn't think it would be that long. But. I figured people, because HBO doesn't really have a lot of i mean they do have a lot of original content but they like come in spurts it's not like this constant rotation like netflix i feel like there's constantly something new but with hbo original content comes in very short seasons so i figured people would just subscribe for a little bit and then kick off for a while so okay um tactic has two nerd bummer one it's still a very close game let's 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 press on so back when hbo first began for the first decade of its existence it did not, in fact, provide 24-hour programming. For the first decade of its existence, how many hours a day would HBO spend on the air? This one and is this, me. It, yeah, this is you, Nerd Bomber. I feel like it probably had an hour of naughty time after midnight and then clicked off around like 1 o'clock a.m. So that being said, I'm assuming it probably went back on around 9. I don't know how many hours that is. <laughs> I should have thought this through. Screw it. 14 hours. Okay. I think it's a five to nine, so I'm going to say four hours. Only four okay. hours on air? Per day. It's a per day, right? Per day, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Nerd Bomber, I loved your inclusion of naughty time in your analysis. <laughs> I uh, mean, that was a thing because I remember when my parents would go to bed and we had HBO, they would be like, don't you would stay you... up for naughty time. No, <laughs> they would be like, don't you tune to HBO. And I'd be like, I won't. Trust me. <laughs> And then you, you topped Nerd like really you, sound like that. You popped the uh, <laughs> no. You, you popped the blank VHS set tape in there and hit record or no? No. Oh yeah, me neither. That's weird. I I was staying up to watch. Oh, what was that stuff that was on like Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network at night? Nick at night. Yeah. <laughs> what was that Nickelodeon at night? <laughs> um, okay, so actually, Tactic gets this one correct. It was it was only nine hours a day. Uh, so you guys are actually equidistant from the correct answer. Nerd Bomber went five hours over, Tactic five hours under, but uh, nine hours. I don't know exactly when the hours were. It's not on this webpage. But uh, Tactic now pulling ahead three to one. Um, I technically have one question left, uh, but if Nerd Bomber gets it right, we'll do. A, well, I'll use my tiebreaker question, and if she gets that one right, I'll do another tiebreaker question. Uh, okay. To gauge potential interest... In HBO. In 1971, Time Life, which was at the time the parent company of HBO, sent out a mail survey to residents in six United States cities. What percentage of respondents favored the concept of paying for a subscription television service in 1971? So they sent out six? No, res- to residents in six cities. They didn't just send oh. out six. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a very good survey. I would say... I'll just ask, we'll just ask six people. <laughs> yes. I would say 20% wanted to pay. We're okay with paying. I feel like it's got to be higher than that since they moved to a subscription model. And 
I would say probably 75%. Well, um, it was in fact 1.2%. Almost no. Why did they think that that would be successful? Well, frankly, I haven't read that far into into the Wikipedia article. But listen, uh, it wouldn't be the first time a business was like, well, you're wrong about what you want. And then told you that you want something. And you were like, yes, I did want that. Uh, And clearly they were right. Um, So you guys both busted. Which means Nerd Bomber can no longer win. But I want to Darn do this it. last question for, for fun because it's my favorite question. It's the non-price is right question. And I think it's the most interesting. So uh, Tactic will start since, just since he won. Um, so HBO was originally named after a color. It was called the Blank Channel where blank is a color. We're going to go back and forth guessing colors until someone gets the color. <laughs> uh, and Tactic, you'll start. Fuchsia. What? <laughs> no. What in the world made you choose fuchsia? <laughs> you went off the wall right away. All right. I'm going to say red because red box and I feel like that means something. Red does seem like the color, right? Because you got Netflix has a red logo. You got red box. Uh, it's not. It's not red. It's not the answer. Blue. Incorrect. All right. I'm going to go ahead and say black because isn't that the color of like the clacker thingy with movies? <sighs> no bummer. Consider for a second. They probably couldn't get an okay to name it the Black Channel. (laughs) (laughs) No, Black is incorrect. (laughs) I was hoping someone would say that, though. (laughs) Green. It is the Green Channel. So Tactic basically swept this quiz. Uh, It was called the Green Channel. Uh, Again, back when it started, it was called the Green Channel. I don't really know why it was called the Green Channel. Um, Again, people were green with envy. I'd say somewhere in in this... Honestly, the Wikipedia for HBO impeccably researched and extremely like the history section this thing's like a book report in any case uh congratulations to tactic uh for crushing this week's quiz he will host next week's uh nerd bomber better luck next time i don't really know what else what what to tell you um i know what to tell all the listeners though and i'm telling them thank you thank you for being here thank you for listening and sitting here with us as we talked about various things a lot of television today a lot of television and movies that's just kind of the way it goes sometimes um if you're here for games and other nerd stuff we'll we'll be revisiting that we did talk about halo today as well but um we thank you so much for joining us if you're interested in leaving us a review if you like what you heard or even if you didn't you can head over to apple podcasts leave us a review there and as i mentioned our twitter handles before you can hit us up on twitter vote in that survey um talk to us about patrick star whatever the heck you want to do we're, we're there we're ready to, t- we're to chat with you so uh until next week that's where we'll be and uh hopefully we'll see you back here next Wednesday. Have a good week.